I've had some very tough times in business. You know, very early on in my career, I almost went bankrupt. Um, I literally had like, you know, debt for my business due to, you know, not being able to make it work in the way that I wanted to of almost $300,000. Hello and welcome. I am Diana Barnett and you are listening to The Toxic Fox Show, a podcast purely for entrepreneurs, business owners and founders who give a damn about the impact their business has on current and future generations. They're pursuing profit with purpose. They know that the world needs good people running good businesses. Today's guest is one of these awesome people. She's helping couples create healthy, sustainable lifestyles and have beautiful babies. How good is that? She's based in Sydney, Australia, but helps women all over the world. Today's guest is Gabriella Rosa, an author, entrepreneur and fertility expert, who runs her entire business virtually, specifically helping couples at the end of their tether become pregnant. Her success rate is 78%, with women who have often been told there's no hope of ever falling pregnant. Her patients are delighted on many levels. They get way more than they signed up for. Gabriella has encountered the usual ups and downs of business and has almost been bankrupt, and now she's focused focused on turning her seven-figure business into an eight-figure boutique fertility clinic that operates entirely online. I'm inspired. Gabriella has taken a very traditional bricks-and-mortar business and created a successful virtual model, helping hundreds and thousands of women around the world. Underpinning her success is her zest for life and laughter and her refusal to take no for an answer and lots of babies and happy parents. Let's head over to the interview. What we do is we help couples overcome infertility and miscarriage, particularly even especially when other things have failed. You know, the majority of our patients come to us, they've been trying to conceive for two years or more and they really feel like they've tried everything or, you know, they're kind of in their mind, they're like, well, I've done everything that I knew, you know, and now I have no ideas, you know, I have no thoughts around where to go next. And so they come to us because they don't know what else to do typically, you know, and typically I get people telling me that, you know, look, this is our last resort and, you know, all sorts of things. It's nice when that doesn't happen, which is very unusual, I have to say. And at the same time, you know, the, the majority of people, that's where they're at. And we essentially over the last almost 20 years now, we've helped thousands of couples overcome infertility and miscarriage, especially when other treatments have failed. So that's really where we specialize. That's what we focus on. And I guess, you know, just to to give a little bit of extra context, you know, we work very non-traditionally in the sense that, you know, we are a fertility practice that is virtual and we, we treat couples all over the world and we really do focus on a very holistic treatment. You know, like for me, uh, my background is I'm trained as a naturopath and I also have a master's in reproductive medicine and human genetics. And for me, I really want to blend the best of both worlds. You know, so some of our couples, I'm completely, by the way, agnostic as to how people get pregnant. You know, some of our, our couples may need IVF after completing our, our treatment or whilst doing our treatment and other people might need, you know, other things. And so we focus on helping couples get to their outcome of having a healthy baby as quickly as possible uh, without, you know, without kind of making it be something like, you know, it's only natural or only science-based, science you know, so it's, right. it's a blend of both worlds. 
So can we step back? You say that you're a virtual or um, you offer your services virtually. Mm. How did you come to doing that? Oh, it's such a, uh, uh, <laughs> such a lot. You know, it's so funny. I, I think people look always, and I tend to do this myself, you know, I think people look at other people who are doing well or have had and had success in a particular out, outcome or field or endeavor. And we, we have this tendency of looking at the thing and going, oh, my God, that's amazing. And uh, it, it, how, you know, how lucky that person is. You know, like have you ever caught yourself saying, oh, my God, that person is yeah. so lucky. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess the, the most um, honest answer that I can give you is through a lot of hard work. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is how I managed to do that. I mean, essentially, you know, I had I was in a situation uh, when I first the idea came to me. I would say probably more than ten years ago, more than I would even say longer. You know, I've always had technology for me has always been something that I had a passion for or have a passion for and I've always enjoyed it and I have always thought of okay how can I utilize it you know to deliver the services that I deliver to even more people and I've always wanted to have a bigger reach than what I was having having a physical local one-on-one practice you know that was always a a passion and a dream in the background and and then my first little son arrived you know I got pregnant and I started to kind of question and and wonder okay well how am I going to do this you know I had a quite a successful business um in in the high six-figure mark and um and I basically was doing quite well for you know in comparison with most other practitioners in my field and I knew at the same time that the second that I had that baby that I wouldn't be able to practice as much as I was practicing and seeing patients and also that I would be tired and probably, you know, more like it exhausted. In fact, that's exactly what turned out to be. My son, my first son never slept for more than 20 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes all the way through the day or night Wow! for the first eight months. So, I, you know, that inkling that I had that I might be tired, yeah, <laughs> it, it came true, you know. So, um, so when I, I had him, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's just going to say, so just – I'll come back to where you go, where you're going now. But what did you put in place to be able to cope with not having much sleep yourself during those oh times? Oh my god! Look, I think I, you know, the the thing, it was my my positive mental attitude. I think that carried me through. I have to admit because I. And by the, by the time I got to eight months, I really, that was wearing very thin. You know, my, my positive mental attitude was wearing very thin. And I was like, okay, do whatever has to be done. And I didn't, it was my first child. I didn't want to do control crying. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to do the whole, um, you know, attachment parenting type raising of my kids and, you know, all of that kind of thing. And to me, that was important. And so I had different views, I guess, of how I was going to manage that whole process. And then, you know, Jake taught me that we must be flexible always, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the way of ad- addressing things. And to begin with, I think I just, I, I tag teamed, I, I expressed so my husband could feed the baby. I, you know, had my mom, oh my God, my mom is like my hero. She was with me for the birth of actually and, and there are, and after both my children because my mom lives in Brazil you see, and I, I live in Australia. And so my mom came and she stayed with me for the first three months. So she really helped me so much. And then when she let, and she would, you know, she would help me to the point of like sleeping, being with the baby overnight so that I could sleep. And
and, you know, all those kinds of things. And at the same time that my mum was so willing to help, you know, with my first son, I didn't want to burden her and, you know, have her be awake the whole night, you know. So I actually used to do all the nights. She used to help me during the day. She was used to practically do day parenting and whilst and I would express and go and have you know four hours of sleep during the day because I wasn't getting any at night like at night I probably would get gosh like 30 minutes you know by the time he would wake up again and I would settle him and he would wake up again that's pretty much what was happening so I think doing it with a lot of help is really the answer and and um, when it got to about seven months I was like okay I had gone back to work very you know, on a very part-time basis because obviously being my own business, I really didn't have the luxury and I didn't have anyone really working for me properly at that stage. And so I really didn't have the and, – and, and the business model wasn't quite where it needed to be either, you know, for, um, for it to sustain me not being in the business for such a long period of time. So I had to go back to work um, at about four and a half months. So I went back to work with my kid still sleeping like he was and so it started to become quite – draining. So at about seven months, I was very tired and just very exhausted and just, you know, kind of starting to feel a bit down about the whole thing Mm -hmm. and really thinking like, oh my God, I have to change this because if I don't change this, I'm going to die, you know? And that was the beginning of how I started to really see the practice becoming something different, you know, becoming something else. And that was really the big the big cha- turning point in my mind, nothing had changed yet in the physical circumstances of what needed to happen. But in my mind, you know, it really started to change at that point. And because it, it was in my in my realm of thought then, it started to also annoy me that I hadn't had, hadn't done it yet. Yes. You know? and, and I still wasn't sleeping. So those two things kind of started to bring me a little bit, you know, down at that point. So at about seven and a half months, I said to, I said to my husband, I said, look, you know, I know that I didn't really want to do this control crime business, but I think that now is the time and we just need to change this because I, I can't cope. I can't keep going like this. And so I called this um, lady, you know, uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Minogue, she's amazing. Um, and her business from, she's, she's got a, she's a mothercraft nurse, you know. Yep. And, um, and she basically came to, she told me all the things that I needed to do. And she said, look, you know, you just got to like now implement this, you know, like it's basically put him down, do all the things that you do, uh, all the routine stuff, put him down, let him cry for 20 minutes and keep going in the room just to check that he's still alive. <laughs> as if you would miss a child that's screaming to the top of his lungs, you know, as not being alive. But anyway, so we did that and literally within the the first night, even though, you know, I thought I was prepared. I was just like, okay, if he cries for four hours, it is what it is. Like he's going to have to cry now until he sleeps, you know. And so – and I was going in every 20 minutes, you know, checking in, making sure he was okay and just following the process, dying inside, going, oh, my God. Both my husband and I, I remember, it was so funny, both my husband and I were like sitting outside his room, you know, going, oh, my God, when is he going to stop crying? But at the same time, we were like, you know what, we've just got to do this because it was really starting to be crazy, you know. So um, so we did it. The first night he slept for five and a half hours. I was like, oh, my God. I was like a, a new person after I went to sleep. And he only cried. Like, you know, I was – fully prepared for the four hours. He only cried for an hour and 40 minutes or something, you know, and that might sound like an eternity. And, and, you know, at the time it really didn't feel like it because I was so prepared for the long haul, you know? So, and I think that is an analogy that I use a lot, you know, in my, in business. I've Mm -hmm. been in for, I guess, oh God, you know, like 18 years, something like that. So I've been in business for that long. And, and, you know, ultimately 
I really take the long-term view, you know, and I very much take the determined view of, okay, I'm going to make this work no matter what. You know, for me, it's truly about like I, I, I have this mindset that if something isn't what I want it to be, I would never throw it out with the bathwater. You know, I would never go, no, nah, I'm not doing this or, oh, I'm going to quit. I go, okay, what am I going to do even more of and differently at the same time to make this happen? Because I'm going to I'm gonna get this thing to work yes. even if it's the last thing that I do in my entire life. That, that's always been my attitude, right? I mean, I had, I've had some very tough times in business. You know, very early on in my career, I almost went bankrupt. Um, I literally had like, you know, debt for my business due to, you know, not being able to make it work in the way that I wanted to of almost $300,000. And it was enough. Like if I, if I didn't, if I chose to not continue the business, I would have no choice but to go bank, bankrupt basically. So I had to really draw upon every bit of determination, you know, to make that work. And and with Jake, it was no different, you know, it was having to kind of yep. make that work. So then it finally worked. He slept, you know, and I I still went back to work and I was still really fig- figuring out, you know, how am I going to do this? And um, and the business was in the point at, at that point because it was working in one way with me doing consults, you know, and I was working crazy hours before I had him. I was doing 60 patient hours per week, you know, and six, 60 face-to-face patient hours per week, and that's without actually even running the business. So it was it was intense, you know, it was really intense. And then when I came back from maternity leave, I was like, you know what, I just don't want to work like that anymore. Like I just don't want to do that anymore. And and my business model, it was based on me doing that, you know, it really was based on on that model of of it had to for it to work it had to to be like that and so I started going backwards again you know in a in from a business sense and literally breaking even and in fact the first year that I had him we made a loss in the business you know and uh, and it was the first year that I had made a loss in such a long time and I was quite disheartened because I was like gosh you know it feels like I would just work so hard and I've worked so hard to get to this place and to because we still had all of the infrastructure and you know if I had downsized my business it would have been different but I didn't want to downsize at the time that I had him I just wanted to you know make sure that we kept the business going along and um, so the business model at the time was that you were in a in a practice a traditional practice with um, I was in Traditional practice, you know, naturopathic, just we, we focused on fertility and, you know, that was always our area of, ex, of speciality and expertise. And we also saw general naturopathic patients. And uh, towards the end, like, you know, towards the end of the practice where I was trying to figure out how am I going to change this business model, I started to um, once more do a multimodality type you know, uh, scenario where I had other practitioners working there too. So I had some acupuncturists. I had, um, I think, I, f- I forget exactly what types of practitioners I had in the end. But, um, you know, I had a, a multimodality practice at that point. And that was at the point that I also realized that, you know, I had 15 staff and I was like having to manage so many people. And I just went, you know what, I just, the, none of this is what I want. And Jake was eight, six, seven months at the stage? Oh, I think Jake would have been, uh, let me see, how old was Jake? So he was born in 2012. He was two by that stage. He was two. And um, and I was also planning, 
you know, having another child. So it was a real kind of perturbation point, you know, like where that kind of water is about to boil and break the surface. And I, I was just like, gosh, I, I was I was about to explode at that point, you know, going, nah, this is just not making me happy. It wasn't making me happy on many levels. And and training the staff to do exactly what I did, it, was, it wasn't really working. People weren't I, d- I wasn't finding the people who were truly committed. I had one practitioner working for me that was amazing and well, that had potential actually. She had potential. She is now amazing. Um, you know, she. I've been training her obviously for six years, and it's you know she's now to the point where I just go, I know that she will just do the job, you know, that needs to be done without any question. Um, and it's a passion, you know, to do what we're doing now, which is great. So, but in the, be- in the beginning, it was it was really touch and go. I had someone who, you know, had committed saying that she was going to, to work with us and then she basically left and went on to come back and then decided to leave again. It was just this really, you know, weird time. And, um, and I also didn't have the skills, you know. I guess I didn't really have the right skills still to be able to manage people in the way that, you know, I obviously have learned and, and do now a better job at, um, it, it really was a very learn, a big learning curve, you know. So at the time that Jake kind of got to about two and we started to, tr- to think about having another baby, I really seriously started to think about and consider, you know, what I was going to do because I didn't want to be working any harder than I was. I was working more hours at that point and I wanted to spend time with my kids, you know, mm-hmm. or my child at that point. And so I was like, no, got to do something different. And that was the point where I decided, okay, I need to really, you know, and I was unhappy, you know, you know, when sometimes we get to that place where what we're doing just isn't working to the, to the degree, to my level of expectation. I think that really was the key is that I had an expectation after, you know, so many years in business that things were going to get easier. You know, I think I, I really, I think that's what I struggled with the most is that I really did have an expectation. And I think that we all, to a certain extent, you know, get to places in business and we have this expectation that it should be easier. And it's really fascinating because it is never easier. You know, it is never easier. And I talked to my husband who um, has also equally been in business. He's been in business for almost 30 years now. And uh, he runs a staff of 60, 60 staff in his yep. own business. And I said to him, I said, you know, like, seriously, does it does this ever get easier? You know, does this ever, you know, does, does this ever change? And he goes, no. Yep. It never changes and it never gets easier. And I was like, it was a real revelation for me, you know, having that conversation. I remember to this day and him saying that and I was like, oh, my God. Like, so it means that I'm stuck in this thing of just like it never being easier and it never being better. And uh, and I, I thought, no, that can't be, you know. And I made a decision at the time. It was a, it was a kind of two-edged decision. It was a decision like this. Um, it was, you know what, I can't continue doing this anymore, you know, and my husband, God love him. He's such a wonderful man. You know, I, I, I used to complain to him and say to him, oh my God, I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, I think I'm just going to shut down this practice and just like, you know, do nothing else and, you know, go and become a housewife. He would laugh at me every time that I said to him that I would, (laughs) that I would shut down the practice and become a housewife. He literally would laugh. And and that didn't give me much confidence in my ability of becoming a housewife. <laughs> so I thought, mm, okay, maybe I better stick to what I'm doing. Because <laughs> if even if my husband doesn't think that I could do that job well, then I, it would be very bad. So, um, 
So I decided that um, I was going to close the, the practice. I literally was like, that was the thing that was in my mind. And I would say to my husband, you know, okay, I've decided this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to close the practice. He's like, okay, sure. And he would turn around to me and I would say to him, darling, you know, like seriously, I really need your help. Like what should I do? And he would turn around to me and like seriously, I, it would, like I would be like in, the, in that contortion state of just like being in so much pain of not knowing what to do and how to approach the situation. And he would literally turn around to me and he would say to me, darling, do whatever makes you happy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it literally used to drive me to distraction. I would just be going, no, you can't say that to me. You have to tell me, like, what should I do? Like, what is it that, you know, you, what do you think? Like, tell me. And uh, and it was really quite funny because he every time, every time he never once told me, you know, oh, I think you should do this or I think you should do that. He would literally turn around to me and just go, darling, do whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Oh, my God, that was so not helpful. I can tell you that now. That really was not helpful. So are you doing what you're happy with now? Oh, look, you know, we, uh, we've completely transformed everything. So, you know, at the time, and I think it's probably relevant for me to say, so it, the, the, the gamble of the change was this. I was like, you know what, if this doesn't work, I'm going to shut down the practice. In the end, I decided, I'm going to, actually, no, the, what I decided was, I decided that I was going to, we had a, at the time already a lot of virtual pra- uh, clients it, because we had um, quite a, a, a profile online and we had um, lots of people who uh, would come to our, like I would speak at uh, speaking engagements and would have quite a lot of people that would come to us and it, from that, you know, mm-hmm. and it, like online speaking engagements. So, you know, international tele-summits and, and things like that. And uh, and people would come to us from from those kinds of endeavors and um, we I used to treat them uh, via Skype, you know, and that kind of was happening already for probably about three to four years before we got to that to that point. So the majority of our fertility patients, I would say 70% of our fertility patients, our clinic was a 50-50, I would say, like 50% fertility, 50% general. And I would say that out of those 50%, 70% were virtual. Like there were, you know, Skype consults and phone consults. There, were, there weren't physical face-to-face consults. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to literally give away every other part of this business. I'm going to focus solely on fertility, which is where, you know, our expertise lies. I, you know, had by then had done my master's and, you know, had a lot of expertise in the, in the field. And, um, and it's kind of also where, you know, it, it makes sense. It made sense from a business perspective to do that, you know. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to focus on that and I'm going to, because those patients are virtual anyway, it doesn't matter where I am. They won't see me anyway uh, on a face-to-face. I'm just going to move that the business to home and I'm just going to do that. So, and literally decided to shut down the rest of, you know, everything else from the business. And, I, and we gave the option for our naturopathic patients if they wanted to continue seeing their practitioners, continue, and the naturopath that I was working with or that was working for me at the time, um, I said to her, you keep your patients, I'll keep my patients, and we will just focus on fertility. We'll continue seeing the patients that we've got for the transition period, and um, and that's what we'll do. So... 
she worked she was working from her own home i was working from my own from my house and the head office was in my house or the dispensary and everything that we needed to you know make for people and take uh, take for people uh, or post for people was was also at my house so i had a receptionist like um an admin support person that was working from my home and myself and we was used to literally work like in the same space you know like it was um it was really uh, an interesting transition uh and it, and it worked it worked for like gosh i think it worked for about 2 years it worked you know really well and and i was shocked that it worked you know like because in the beginning i was just kind of going okay well i'm just going to just so that i don't shut down everything i'll just do this and if if it works then it works and if it doesn't whatever you know and uh so when and that you, was when you say it was, so when you're saying it's worked were you saying that it worked that you were still getting the same sort of income or it you weren't getting the stress or oh look i think that all of it i think all of it um i i was literally we dropped i would say that we dropped in total at that point, probably 75% of our practice, you know, and we we obviously built it up throughout that, that first year. In that first year, we basically ended up making $100,000 more than we did the previous year, keeping in mind, you know, we were already at high six figures in the business and we made an extra $100,000 seeing dramatically less patients, you know, and we were just like, oh, my God, like, wow. And without the overheads and dramatically. Without, without the overheads. And, you know, a, a lot of people think that the big overheads, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, wow, you'd be saving a lot of rent and, you know, things like that. Rent was nothing. You know, the biggest overhead in business is staff. There is no, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a double-edged sword, sword because obviously, you know, we need our need team to be able to make sure that you know we we get leverage and we do the things that we need to do. However, if those if the team is not working to the highest level of their capacity, what happens is that they become a liability, you know. And so in the business, in the in the um, in the bricks and mortar, you know, former kind of business, what was happening was that um, we had the infrastructure and therefore we had the staff to support that infrastructure and the the place the the pre- the premises had to be manned because we used to work from 7 in the morning so our first appointment in fact I used to get there and probably most days have my first appointment at 6am so we I used to go from 6am and my staff would arrive at 7 so from 7 until 4 or 5 in the afternoon we had to have the place manned you know because that's where what the length of our appointment schedule and that was six days a week you know so I needed to have two people uh, covering the week uh, because you know one person couldn't really do those long hours every single day and so and we needed to have the place you know with reception staff and phones answered and all, and all of that kind of thing so the biggest expense was definitely staff you know and and the the the, the interesting thing that happened was that when we changed the business, we we didn't we literally dramatically we shed everything. We shed all the team apart from one person, and we also didn't have the 
the the rent. And mind you, the rent you know wasn't that expensive, but it was still a consideration. Um, and you know, and and it really made a huge difference. It made a huge difference from every aspect. But it was it was that our turnover increased. That was the shocking part. Our turnover increased with less with less patients, you know, and, and dramatically less patients at that. Mm-hmm. We used to serve at something like, oh gosh, like three hundred to three to to five hundred, and some years even up to six hundred people in a year. Right, and in that first year, we were servicing like I think we ended up servicing about seventy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was incredible. It was a, a dramatic change. So, if that was seventy, then roughly how many do you service now? We probably doubled that now, mm-hmm. and we're basically working towards. So, we're, at the moment, we're we're at this kind of seven-figure mark in the business and we are working towards eight figures in the next, I would say, probably three years. That's what we want to hit. That's the goal. All online. All online, yeah. Today you're listening to The Toxic Fox Show. It's sponsored by The Cultivate Collective, facilitating mastermind and peer mentoring groups, connecting conscious business owners to other like-minded entrepreneurs to cultivate their business. Connect, cultivate, impact. What's the process that you use, I mean, use to to bring people online? How do you well, we there's there's a few different ways, really. I mean, obviously, I speak at any any invitation, you know. So there there are summits and things that uh, I'm invited to speak at, and so I speak at those. That I we run Facebook ads. We have a, a good presence uh, on social media and obviously online in general. We we run a blog, and one of the biggest things that I actually do is uh, is called the 14 day fertility challenge, which is an event that I run over a 14-day period with people from all over the world. And it's a really cool event. Like for me, it's one of the, the most fun things, you know, that I get to do in doing, doing what I do now. And essentially what it is, it's a, it's a whole lot of education, you know, and, and, you know, I work very much from the intersection of inspiration and education. So for, for me, those are very important values. And, uh, and really, you know, it's, it's about educating thousands of people and literally the, our last 14-day fertility challenge, which uh, finished, I think, a month ago, we finished a challenge with almost, it was 7,605 people, something like that. And now we're, we're close to almost 8,000 people having registered for the last challenge, you know, so it was, it was pretty incredible. Uh, and do you track where they come from, most of those people? In, as far as I'm what countries right, yes. come from? Yeah. yeah. The majority of our patients come from the US and the UK and Australia. And, uh, and that's essentially where we have been focusing our attention, although we do have patients that, you know, come from like literally the most obscure places everywhere in the world, really. You know, I talk to people from like yesterday, I was talking to people from Nigeria and we've had um, people from Zimbabwe do our program. We've had people from Brazil. We have people from, you know, gosh, everywhere, Malta and like so many different countries, you know, so many different countries that we we liaise with and, and talk to and you know that's the beauty of what we do is that we can we can we can we can trans 
regress all of those, you know, kind of normal boundaries that you would have and and still get results you know like we get results for our patients where nothing else had worked they had seen lots of different doctors before and lots of different things that they've tried and you know and um and this was the thing that made the difference you know so it's pretty pretty amazing so this 14 day program you've got seven to eight thousand people that go through it and it's free yeah, yeah, it's completely free. It's literally a hundred percent free, and uh, and I love it. I love it because it's such a, a wonderful. Like we see people literally transform before our eyes, and we have. I have six moderators that help me with it, and they're all ex patients. Uh, in fact, some of our current patients actually, uh, who have had babies through our program. Some of the ladies have now got you know two, three. One is pregnant with her fourth child after meeting me and she was actually talking about this yesterday in one of our private groups that uh, when she came to me she had been trying to conceive for six years had had one child and trying to conceive for six years since or after that child and now she's actually pregnant with her fourth you know which is which is super cool so um yeah it it really is an amazing process we we take these people on, we educate them, we show them different ways of doing things uh, from household, you know, personal environment changes to dietary changes to lifestyle changes to, you know, basically the self-care aspect, uh, aspects that they can, they can take control of, that they can take charge of. And we also aim to and we address the emotional component of the journey and get them to have a different perspective, a new, a fresh look at what's going on for them, you know, on, on many levels. And it's super, super exciting to see the literal transformations. You know, people, we've had in the last challenge a couple of people who were struggling with giving up smoking and, you know, doing things. And one a person also who was struggling with giving up drinking and uh, literally transform in that period because they understood something different. They got something that was, you know, that, they had never seen before in that in that way, and it, they said to me, you know, that it completely changed their lives, and it's so cool, you know, it's amazing for me to be able to be part of that, you know, and giving back in that way. So you've got these seven to eight thousand that did it last time, and then you've had others of, you know, it's the, your audience is obviously built up with the number of people yep. doing it. Uh-huh. What's the next step in your process in your clients with your clients if that's free? Yeah, sure, sure. So the the next step, so what we do is we take them through an assessment process where we assess their situation. So if somebody, so at the end of the 14-day challenge, people ask, you know, often if they can see us or if they can come. They are often asking if they can book in for a consultation with me because they think that, you know, that's the next step. And we give them the opportunity at the end for us to assess their situation. One of the very different things that we do compared to any other practice out there, we will only take on people that we absolutely, one, believe that we can help, and two, if we are a perfect fit for working together, you know, and that has to be a mutual feeling there. You know, they have to feel that we are perfect for them and and we have to feel that they're perfect for us. You know, we have a very, quite strict, actually, selection criteria that we use to um, get people into our program. So we don't, and we purposely do that because I don't, my interest, I'm not interested in servicing another 600 patients a year, you know, like we used to. I'm actually interested in in doing the most amazing work that we can uh, for the people that we serve and keeping that really boutique. You know, for me, it's it's about keeping it boutique and keeping it, keeping the love and the care in there for people, you know. So essentially, 
the the key things that that happen is that they get are given the opportunity to have an assessment then they go through the assessment process and at the end of that assessment process we will know you know because the assessment is designed in such a way that we will know one can we help them two are we a perfect fit for working together and then it just becomes a logical you know transition into our natural fertility breakthrough program which is our full program that people can participate in and after each fertility challenge we open up six spot uh, beg your pardon we open up 20 spots for um, couples to engage with us in that way to come on board of our program and we do that uh, three to four times a year so two questions come to mind when you say that to me is how do you manage the people that are still really wanting to have a baby and but don't fit don't make it through the selection criteria into that 20 how do you how do you manage the sort of customer relation fallout from that? Is there fallout or is it just uh, you know it's really interesting because because of the way that we engineer everything we're always you know that my goal is to ensure that we I will only and I tell the the patient this from the very beginning right I will only offer you a place in the program if I truly feel that this is going to benefit you and add value to your life. Mm-hmm. You know, if I feel that that's not the, you know, and our selection criteria is based on that, yeah. you know, because if they're not going to do what it takes, if they are unwilling and unable, right, on any level, it might be physical, it might be emotional, it might be financial, it might be, you know, it, it it's not going to suit them. It's not going to be a mm-hmm. service to them to take them on board a program that's not going to address what their specific needs are. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we do that from a very caring and loving perspective. And so we're always, you know, when we can't help someone and we let them know that, we, I do my very best every single time to point them out in the right direction for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it, and ultimately it is a decision that has to be made mutually. Mm-hmm. So with that 20 and you started off with 7,605, mm-hmm. um, how – how many actually apply for the program? We had about in the last in the last round we've had about three hundred applications, mm-hmm. and so far this year we've had about fifteen hundred applications. Wow! So far this year, so mm-hmm. it is in, it gets intense. You know, it gets really intense, and we and we don't get to everyone, unfortunately. And I and I, and I you know I, I do say that to people. I say, look, I'm really sorry we may not get to your to yep. your application because we get too many applications, more than we can handle. So the people who basically are really, really, really keen, they make they make themselves known. You know, <laughs> they're yep. like you, you like they they really do and they're fast. You know, they're fast. They know that the the application is going to open. The sooner they put in their application, the more chance they have to get onto the program. And so they act really quickly. You know, because they know if they don't, they miss out. Yep, and uh, and so that also has been really helpful from a business perspective because I don't have to chase at all. Mm, that's that's fantastic. No. So I'm how- happy, literally chasing me, going, oh my god, please make sure that I get a place in the program. I'm like, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> oversubscribed. Um, oversubscribed. Hashtag oversubscribed. Tell me. Um, so you then said you wanted to grow it to eight figure from seven yes. figure in yes. the next few years. Um, how are you going to do that, maintaining your sort of 
Well, you see, that's all. That's where team comes in, and that's really that's has been, I promise you, my biggest struggle. Okay, um, I think that team and making sure that we have a really solid team um, is always a struggle because you, I have, I feel for me, I have to find the right person and the the right people. Um, I know that it's not a difficult excuse me, um, thing for us to achieve uh, if we have the right team. And the team, it, take, it takes two, you know, it, there's two sections to the team that are required. One is the people to deliver the program because I'm clinical director. I don't actually do the face-to-face one-on-one consults anymore. So that's where I have another practitioner who delivers the face-to-face um, part of the program and I oversee all of the treatments in the practice and I'm also there you know for making sure that if they have questions or if they need to bounce ideas and and understand cases in a different way or if I need to educate them then I'm there to make sure that I do that however I don't do one-on-one face-to-face anymore I do all of the group we for our programs we have lots of group interaction and I take all of the you know the group interaction is is where I come in and uh, and I do a lot of the the implementation side of things with them, mindset, you know, really making sure because for, for us, you know, for me personally, this process has to make their life better, right? For me, it's about making sure that in my fertile method that we, you know, we I've created our methodology, which is our the seven step, seven step fertile method, and the L in in the method is about liberation. It's about helping them living live their best life now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what it is. And I take that very, very seriously because if you can imagine, you know, 20, it's this being um, cited in, in medical journals that 20% of women who experience infertility prefer would prefer to be paralyzed than infertile. Wow. Yeah, huge, right? So you can imagine what a incredible emotionally dark place some women and couples really get into when they've been trying for years and years and years. And so for me, part of this program is about liberating them from all of that, um, you know, that burden and, and sadness and grief and all of the emotions that come along with it. So we do a lot of personal development. You know, it's, it's the thing that they, they don't know that they're coming in for but that they get as part of the program and they love you know, and they, they get so much out of it and it's it's wonderful to see. It's, again, you know, the transformations in, in people that I see through this program, not just on their fertility but in themselves is just it's, – it's so rewarding. It's incredibly um, – it's beautiful. You know, it's really beautiful. Um, sorry to spoil the moment because it's, it's – I was just wondering, your team, if I can go back to that one um, – how do you choose them? Is your team here in Australia? Um, yeah, it, this is the thing. I, I love going in tangents, as you probably have discovered, Diana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my team. My team is definitely uh, all over, actually. Um, well, my naturopathic team is in Australia. So all my naturopaths are in Australia. In fact, all my naturopaths are in Sydney. And at the moment, I haven't, you know, I've had inquiries and, and people who are in different cities wanting to join our team. And I have not wanted to go that way uh, at this point because, you know, we've got four naturopaths um, that, you know, including myself. So there are three naturopaths, two that do the 
the the delivery, you know, the the technical delivery of the fertility the fertility program. One that is very much focused on the mental emotional support side of things, and then me as a clinical director. So you know, from that perspective, we um. We are all in Sydney, and I really want that to continue being the case in the in the near future, because I want to ensure that we have that kind of possibility of having one-on-one kind of catch-ups, you know, and having physical con- catch-ups. The majority of our team who is in Sydney, uh, we we like to you know kind of go and do things and have lunches together and you know enjoy ourselves from that perspective, because otherwise we don't see each other because we all work in different locations, right? So I work from the head office, which is, you know, the, I've got a, a, we've actually moved homes to be able to house my business because one of the things that was happening was that I just felt that, you know, the place was just getting too small and I was making a decision of either buying a, you know, going to a commercial premises again mm-hmm. or um, buying a bigger house and, you know, and a much bigger house so that I could actually house the business there. And so we ended up buying a much bigger house and, um, and you know, we have now one level of the house is, you know, the entire level is for the business. And so that works really, really well. So I've got my team that comes in. There's about four or five people that come in, um, you know, to work every day. And, uh, and there's then the, the, um, then there's the, um, the online kind of support, the virtual assistants that we have. We have two virtual assistants and um, and that's basically how it works. And we've got, you know, the naturopaths that are coming in as well. I beg your pardon, the naturopaths aren't coming in. The naturopaths work from their own homes. But they check in. But they're and part you, of the team, yeah. And you catch up regularly. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So is the other reason why you're choosing Australian to stay with, not only to have the naturopaths from Australia because of con- your personal contact, but also because you understand their, their schooling? I exactly. I understand their training. Absolutely. So I understand their training and, you know, it's something that obviously it's the same training that I've been through. So it makes sense. Um, I've had, uh, um, you know, pay, um, practitioners in the US contact me for, um, you know, for joining the team from that perspective. And I've declined because essentially I, I still am figuring that, that part out in the sense of, you know, obviously when it's a small team, I can actually physically check in, you know, and figure out where the, where are the challenges, what's not working, what needs to work differently, you know, all of that kind of thing. And I trust my team because they've been with me for such a long time and, you know, and they're amazing. So from, from that perspective, it's difficult to go in my mind still. You know, and and I've got one of my mentors the other day. Um, I was saying that I wanted my next naturopath that I employ. I wanted her to come in to the practice. And one of the people that I found, she lives in like two hours away from where I live, right? So she's in the same city, but literally two hours away. And my mentor is like going to me, Gabriella, you run a virtual practice. Buy an iPad put Skype on, you can just listen to her because I was saying that I wanted to listen to her doing her consult so that I can train her and all of that kind of stuff. He's like, just buy an iPad and just put it on for the whole day and you can listen to her the whole day long. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It's changing. You You have to change your whole mindset as well. Absolutely, 100%. And he really had to, you know, he really had to kind of push the point with me. And because I was like, no, she's perfect and I'm not going to employ her. He's like, are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) 
just um, I'm mindful of the time, so I just wanted to ask a couple of other questions. Um, your, what would you, if someone's starting out in business now, what advice would you give them? My advice is only one thing. One thing. It's one thing. It's one thing. It's like, do not, do not give up. Like, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's, it's literally, it's so easy to give up. You know, it's so easy to kind of look at the external results and think that, oh, but it's not, it's not really what I want to see, you know. And for me, and I think that this was really the turning point in my entire career, it was the day where I was almost going bankrupt and I decided that, oh, my God, this is just all too hard. I can't continue doing this anymore. I just want to throw it all out in the wind and just whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I literally had to step myself back, have a hard talking to myself. You know, I had to give myself a good hard talking to and go and get over yourself. You are not going to do this. You are not going to give up. And I made an agreement with myself. Literally at that point, I made an agreement with myself and the agreement was this. Because I was telling myself all sorts of BS things, you know, that I didn't love what I was doing and that I wasn't enjoying it. That, and all those things were true, but they weren't true because I wasn't, I didn't love what I did. It was because I was not having the external result or feedback that I wanted to see at the time in the fashion that I wanted to see and in the time frame that I wanted to see it. So I was telling myself that I was hating what I did and that I didn't like what I was doing and the people that I was doing it for and all of that kind of thing, not because it was true but because I was telling myself that story, right? Mm-hmm. And in order for me to – I had to make an agreement with myself. In order for me to snap out of it, I had to literally go and say, okay, Gabriella, you're right, okay? If you're saying this to yourself and if it's really true, so be it and it is what it is. However, you are going to make this work no matter what happens. Once you've made it work, you can go and you can do anything else. You can become a real estate agent. You can become a whatever you want to become, but not until. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to make this work. And once you make it work, you can go and do whatever else you want to do. So I bought into that agreement, you know, that part of me that really was resistant, you know, but in my multiple personalities, (laughs) (laughs) that part of me that was like going, I want to run away from this. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, kind of got a handle of the fact that, okay, fine, got, got appeased almost, you know, got appeased. It kind of got a, fine, I can get out of this, but I have to make it work first. Fine, let's just make this freaking thing work, you know. And, and of course, the rest is history, right? When, when I basically had a chat to all my multiple personalities and we all got on board with what needed to happen and the plan, then we made it work. So I – and for me, since that time – I have never, ever, ever, ever given up on anything that I wanted to achieve or do. So basically what I say to myself is, and I've trained myself to do this now. So basically what I say to myself is, okay, so what is the goal? What is the outcome? And I've set on the, I set the outcome and then I go, okay, right. So if that's the outcome, before you achieve the outcome, nothing else is going to happen. This is what needs to happen. After the outcome, you can do whatever else it is that you want to do or is in your mind. And therefore, what I know and what I do is this. I don't let myself off the hook, right? Mm-hmm. So if I have the outcome and I try one thing and it doesn't work and I try another thing and it doesn't work and I try a fourth thing and it doesn't work and I try a fifth and sixth and tenth thing and it doesn't work, I go, okay, well, figure it out. How else? 
you know, what else? Because this is the outcome. And we're not going to deviate from the outcome, right? So it's that, that would be my biggest piece of advice. Like seriously, do that and it will be unstoppable. Okay. And the other bit is what is one thing you would do differently now if you were starting all over again? Oh, that's a good question. I would believe in myself even more. That it, I find very hard to believe. You, know, <laughs> you yeah. are such a self-believer. How could I, you do that? Yeah, you know, and this is the thing. Yes, I am now because I trained myself to be, right? I trained myself, literally I trained my mind to be this person that I am today. And I, it didn't always start out like that. I think that, you know, in the beginning I was very tentative and, you know, kind of, oh, what if it doesn't work? And not really realizing my full power and not really understanding that, you know, whatever is going to be is going to be because I decide mm-hmm. that it's going to be. So I didn't, in the beginning, I didn't have that. You know, if I had had that, I would have been so much further along than I am today. So today I have that. And today I go, okay, obstacles, be gone because like seriously, you have no chance, yep. right? And uh, and there are days that I get down, you know, like so at the moment I'm trying to fill, out, fill a role. Uh, there's a role that in my in my company right now that I want to fill that literally it's driving me in, insane. It's driving me crazy. It's an, an appointment setting role, um, you know, which is kind of to support the sales process that, you know, that goes on and the onboarding of patients. And, uh, and literally it has been the hardest thing to do. So now I'm like onto my 10th strategy, you know, <laughs> so I'm going to figure that out and see if that works. But, um, you know, it's, it, there are down days and there are days that I just go, oh God, don't want to come back into this office for the day now, <laughs> you know? but, and I do, and I just keep, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And mentors, how do you go about mentors? How many mentors? Oh, I, I have so many mentors and have had so many mentors. In fact, I tell my husband this all the time because in the beginning, I used to spend all my money on mentors, like literally. Like I, whatever money I made, I would spend on mentoring, Right, coaching, mentoring, whatever it is that I needed to get to the next level, and still to this day, like I have, there's three mentors that I that I have right now that you know I pay like serious money to, and uh, and that I see on a regular basis because I know that the quality of my experience, the quality of what I create, is going to be dependent upon getting better. Right, as a person, as a business person, as a, an individual, and you know, and I, I do personal development all the time. You know, I'm very much into personal development courses, and so I, I'm very proactive when it comes to business mentoring and personal development and all of those things that I know are going to help me get to the next level that I want to be at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you could have um, time with any person in this world, who would you choose just for an hour? A drink, oh. of, a drink of wine or a green smoothie, whatever you prefer. Oh, my God. I'm going to say the most cliche, crazy thing that people are going to go, whoa, I didn't expect that. Um, for me, I would have to say if I could – and it, it, would it, is it live, alive, oh. not alive, fictional? Like, yeah, you fictional is fine. <laughs> I would love fictional. <laughs> okay. My fictional character that I would love to spend an hour with would have to be God. Okay. Uh, it, would, it would absolutely have to be 
Um, God, for sure, because for me, there is nothing that is not possible without his help. And so, you know, I am I'm totally there. Fantastic. Well, on that note, we'll finish up. Because I can't come with the comeback with anything on that. And I want to say thank you very, very much. <laughs> My pleasure. My I really pleasure. appreciate your time and your laughter. And I also appreciate the influence you're having on a lot of people's lives. I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me. So wonderful to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Gabriella. Can you believe that woman? She's turned a nearly bankrupt business into a flourishing enterprise that is almost hitting an eight-figure turnover. I truly enjoyed our conversation and there's certainly a lot to learn. Her one piece of advice is never give up. Business is not easy. There's tough times and there's good times. You might have to do things differently, but don't give up. I'll add other two other insights. Please Always invest in yourself with mentors and personal development. Ensure you keep growing and providing the best product and service you can for your customers. Don't be afraid to narrow your focus and niche and build a business model that enables you to be boutique and oversubscribed. Please rate, review and share our podcast. Links to Gabriella's website and social media links are below. If you know anyone who might be interesting to interview and add to our list, please let me know. Links are also in the show notes. So, again, I have to thank my team. And links to their websites are in the show notes. No man is an island. And so, my gratitude goes to Finch Jones for the music, to the team that helps me pull this together, to Rosa for coming on the show, and to you for listening and reviewing our show. Till the next episode, thank you to all the conscious business entrepreneurs who continue to give a damn about the impact they make.